This is David Bateson, the voice of Agent 47, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 105 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, October 24th, 2021. I'm your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, I sit down with Xbox-era editor-in-chief John Clark to discuss navigating community fandom and objective integrity while being on a console-specific platform. We'll look ahead to Xbox's 20th anniversary celebration, and in the back half of this episode, we have my review of Eidos Montreal's Guardians of the Galaxy. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse, as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness go to my gaming guest, Mr. John Clark of Xbox Era, the editor-in-chief over there. John, you joined me on short notice. I could not say thank you more. How are you, sir? I'm very well, and it's uh, it's an immense pleasure to not be hosting a show for once. I get to completely relax. I don't have to press any buttons. I can just talk. So, yeah, uh, very pleased to be here. Well, I'm I'm glad that you are here. Xbox era has certainly certainly rather uh, grown in in recent months and and since its inception. I would imagine that you're very proud of that progress. Uh, it, it's it's funny. Um, it's it's something that I've always wanted to do since I was uh, younger, and I'm old now. I'm like 37, so I guess that counts as old. Am I a boomer yet? We are the know. same. Well, I will be 36 next month. So okay, so let's, the let's same say realm. we're young. Let's say That's we're right. young. Um, young and handsome as I always like to remind yeah you. I'll take that I'll take that mm-hmm. but it's it's been something of a dream and uh, you know I, I guess you probably have a similar experience you know early 20s oh yeah I'd love to do that and oh, but I don't have the budget I don't have the time I don't have the equipment and then as you get older and you start to get that stuff together you kind of then can realize the dream um, mm-hmm. and then at that point you start to think am I past it <laughs> but you, you can't help but pursue these things anyway so yeah it's uh it's been a project of uh, immense joy to see come to life, but it's not all me. I have a, a really incredible group of people that that work with me to make that happen. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll take a small amount of credit for uh, good ideas um, mm-hmm. and then give the rest to them because they are absolutely incredible people. Well, yeah, if you go to the Xbox Era website, which is simply xboxera.com, guys, uh, if you go there and then you look at the Meet the Team section, you've got quite a few people helping you out. Um, but you are the editor in chief, uh, sitting over all of it. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I can give, um, a kind of nutshell of how it came to be because it, it was just one of those things. And, and the initial impetus from my perspective was I wanted to start a podcast. Right. And we're, mm-hmm. we're talking back, uh, early 2019, I was regularly frustrated and I'm sure a lot of Xbox fans can can reciprocate and feel this right um I was frustrated that I looked across the gaming landscape and the podcast that did exist outside of a few like uh Xbox 2 with Rand and Jez um were very unknowledgeable about the mm-hmm. Xbox platform what was going on what games were in development what studios were being talked to 
And it was really frustrating because I'm like, hey, I'm a layman. I'm sitting here in the background reading things on forums. Uh, and I'm like, why isn't someone doing a better job of this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, hey, boom, let's let's see if I can find a way to make that happen. And I think a lot of people had this idea. You know, you, you've been doing this for, what, 100, 100 plus episodes now? You are the 105th episode, my friend. I feel good about that. 105. I mean, yeah, we're on episode 80. So, And I feel like that's happened. I don't know about you, but there are tons of podcasts now because the Xbox community is passionate. It's vibrant. There are so many people that love so much about the the ecosystem and the platform. Um, and yet, you know, I would say two, three years ago were woefully underserved by general game stream gaming media. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to start this podcast. I was uh, a member of resetera.com. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just, I just put a post out in the general Xbox. I was like, Hey, I really want to do a podcast. I know some stuff about Microsoft. I'll explain that a bit in a second. Um, is anyone, anyone interested? And I got put in touch with a guy called special ed, uh, who ran a rather infamous Xbox era discord, uh, which is a group of people. There's developers in there. Phil Spencer's in there mm-hmm. um, just chatting about Xbox and stuff. And we got to chat in and we, we started the podcast with myself, him, a guy called Funknown, and figments um, who used to be known as Chironaut, who made the Xbox OT on reset. And it kind of just grew from there, but I didn't want to just be a podcast. And eventually I was like, eh, let's make a website to host the podcast. And then I was like, let's make the website and do reviews and make a YouTube channel. And it just exploded. Um, and I think the Whoa, biggest that, moment, well, hold on, stop there. John. That's a huge <laughs> difference between making a podcast yeah. and it's a huge undertaking. What was, so, so I, I have to pause you because I didn't know what's yeah, please. the mission of Xbox era, because you, you made a big jump just now in your wording. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, I think, it, I think that's, that's what happened, right? Is we, we, we had this podcast idea and we put a couple of episodes together and then we were like, we, we, you know, this is really good. We're really enjoying it. Um, we had people reach out to us and be like, hey, this is great. And we started to think, like, what could we do? Like, you know, we, we, we have the passion. We have the drive. What could we do to make this better than what we imagined? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, we built the, this website to kind of just house the podcast at first. And, you know, it's all just self-service. This is There's no geniuses behind the background. There's no massive support team. This is mm-hmm. all done by myself, some other guys on the team that just are like, hey, we can do this ourselves. So mm-hmm. everything on XboxZero.com is is self-service. And the, the whole idea was to bring that passionate community that we see, the people I know, the people I've been speaking to for X number of years that play on the platform, mm-hmm. let's give them a home. And it exploded, right? We started doing reviews. We started doing, you know, shows. We started doing uh, opinion pieces. And they were like, hey, why don't we give these people a home? So we made the Xbox Era forums and it just grew and grew and grew. Um, and now I've got a team of like 20 people um, and they're all incredible. And I have to give a special shout out. The big turning point for us as a company was the, the our art guy called Predrag. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's based in, I want to say Kuwait and he'll, he'll keep me honest if he listens to this and tell me off if I get the country wrong. Um, and he just changed the game. I mean, if you look at the, the, the artwork and the website, everything we do, he is an amazing, incredible graphic designer and he elevates our content to just these insane levels where I look at what we do and I think like we're keeping up with the big boys in the mm-hmm. industry from a reporting perspective. It's great. It's been a ride. 
<laughs> Certainly so. And there's a lot of ways I want to take this conversation now. When you think of, of Xbox era and, and what you guys are doing with the reviews, with the articles, are you thinking of yourselves as an enthusiast site? Do you believe yourself to be journalists? Are you content creators? Where do you mentally categorize yourself? It's a, that's a really good question and not one that uh, I, I've certainly thought about it, but it's not one I've had directly asked to me before. And it's it's a tricky line, right? Because we have a mission statement to never do clickbait. And I think you can look across our platform, look across our content, and you'll never see a clickbait headline that will engage in that console war rhetoric. And that's to our detriment because console mm-hmm. wars gets clicks. Mm-hmm. And that's what other gaming websites engage in. But we're not doing this for money. We're doing this to provide a community and build something for people that like to play on this platform. Mm-hmm. So that's point one. Um, but there is this fine line, you know, I would class us more as a publication than mm-hmm. as a, an influencer outfit or content creators. We mm-hmm. are full of content creators and we like to do lots and lots of different things. And there are some crazy stuff coming down the pipe that I can't talk to you about yet. Listeners, um, he said that with a serious grin. That oh, was cool. <laughs> I wish I wish I could I wish I could talk about it. And you know, hey, we can always revisit in absolutely probably like three or four weeks' time. That's how close this all is. Oh wow. Okay. It's been insane. Cool. And uh I'm I can't hype this up enough. But I'm not going to because I can't I can't say anything yet until I have firm everything locks. But so yeah, that means my clickbaity headline is changes coming to Xbox era. Uh, that, that's my that's my clickbait. You, you headline. could you could do a clickbait headline of that that sort. Um, is something very cool that I know. I have extreme confidence and faith in. Um, I think we've got something here that is going to change. Uh, I think it's going to put us on the map. And I, you know, whether we're on the map already or not, I think it's going to be a moment where loads of people will go, "Holy, hole insert." Mm-hmm. Uh, profanity of your choice here um you know and they'll just they'll just kind of be really surprised by what we've managed to pull off and i've i've shown it to a few people internally and some partners and people that we've we you know we're close to and Mm -hmm. yeah the response has been unanimously oh my god you guys are doing what Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah it is a tricky one though publication versus content creation publication there are rules to follow you you can't you know, you can't just throw out any old opinion and start taking people to task and just saying whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. And pandering to your audience because that's not really what we're doing. We, we are putting a level of professionalism mm-hmm. to what we do. Uh, and I'd like to think that we, we're pretty good at that. Uh, I've learned a lot seeing, you know, seeing as I'm editor-in-chief, you know, mm-hmm. that's a label I get to slap on because I get that final creative say. Um, but there's also a lot of trust among the team. So not everything everything passes by my eye with a you know a keen magnifying glass you know i trust mm-hmm. the people i work with and you know there's lots of checks and balances in there sure sure now i ask you this out of uh, out of ignorance but also my own struggles uh do you fancy you guys, yourselves journalists because with that comes questions of journalistic integrity of standards that you should or should not follow offering opinions in the right moments versus mm. being objective yeah. i struggle with this often because by definition, I am not a journalist, and yet I often try to offer opinions that would be similar to that. Where, where do you guys land on that one? That's damn. That's a really good question. Uh, I would say that we probably lean more on the side. If if you asked us gun to our head, we would say no, we're not we're not journalists. Mm-hmm. But I would certainly say that we approach everything we do with that mindset of integrity and you know directness. 
and I've made mistakes, you know, like there was an article we published back in, I want to say late 2019 or 2020, where we thought we'd had a scoop and, you know, mm. and if it was just a forum post and it had just gone out there, no one would have batted an eye. It would have just generated discussion, but we approached it in the wrong way and I made the call and yeah, oh, it got clicks, um, but we were taken to task for it um, mm -hmm. and it forced a, a CEO of a company to come out and make a public statement of denial. Mm. That was a moment, a learning moment for me <laughs> as editor-in-chief to you have to think about what you do. And and if you want to, if you really want to do this, you know, Xbox era is a business uh, mm. here in the UK, you know, um, and there's a dream that, yeah, maybe, maybe it will become a business where we are huge, um, but it's not, it's not the, the driving goal. The driving goal is to provide our community a home um, mm -hmm. or anyone that loves an Xbox a home to mm -hmm. enjoy content without being trolled without bad faith arguments without um that kind of nonsense that you would see in other platforms that just inject themselves you know the xbox has no games rhetoric mm -hmm. we try and because we we're the gatekeepers right um i think we're pretty objective so we try and keep a, a level head when we approach that and kind of say no you know xbox has games you might just not like them but it doesn't mean sure. you get to come in here and 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 you know poo poo everything from a community mm -hmm. perspective so it's a real it's a real juggling act but i wouldn't say that any of us would put journalist in our sure. resume um yeah but we try our best i Absolutely. think that's fair well one of the things you said is, is that we're going to try and be objective but you have xbox in the name and that's a problem i run into having yeah. xbox expansion pass be in my name uh and it's I know where I stand on this one, and I, but I don't want to to seed your answer by accident. So tell me, uh, how do you stay objective when you've got Xbox in the name, when you've got audience members that are there for Xbox content? You've got naysayers who are there to either poo-poo Xbox or to uh, celebrate PlayStation or Nintendo, PC, what have you. Mm -hmm. um, how do you navigate that? And then I'm curious if it lines up with how I go about XEP. This is fun comparative stuff for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I would say... Um... Yeah, you know, the name is a statement of coverage. It is not a statement of um, pandering. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, we focus on this platform because that's our team's passion. Um, but we are more than comfortable in calling out mishaps and errors and mistakes. And I think I think it's fairly easy to maintain objectively. It doesn't matter if you're playing a game on Xbox, on PC, on PlayStation, on Switch. Is the game good? Yes or no? What did you think mm -hmm. about it? How did it make you feel? Was, it, was, it, was the game design life-changing for you? Did it did it tick boxes that other games didn't? You can be objective in that regard. And, you know, we've, we, we gave Gears Tactics a 6 out of 10, mm -hmm. right? Like, we're not <laughs> pandering. We're not just going to throw out nines and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, we talk, we, we look at it from a from a fan's point of view. Where have they done things great where could they improve um and we try and maintain that level of objectiveness for anything we cover and xbox isn't just first party right there is plenty of third party games um, we've got a lot of members on the team that love indie gaming um i could name drop a, a bunch of the team that, that absolutely adore that kind of thing and we try and give smaller games that do not get the love that they probably should a bit of a, a time in the limelight, you know, um, mm -hmm. and as we grow, hopefully that limelight and that spotlight increases and more people get to read about these games that other platforms and other publishers and content creators don't cover. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't think, I don't think we're challenged by it. You know, I know someone could say, oh, Xbox era, of course they're going to give Halo Infinite a 10 out of 10. 
I'm not so sure. You know, there's mm. been a lot of concern about the campaign. There's been a lot of, you know, a lot of love for the multiplayer. Mm. Um, but that, that game's been a roller coaster. Um, and until we've got the final product in our hands and we can assess it and we can, we can say, yes, this is good. Or, here's what works. Here's what doesn't. That's the same approach we take for any game, regardless of what we're called. Um, right. Yeah, so I, I think I think it's something we we do pretty well. But, but what about you? How do you, how do you juggle that? You know, that that barrier. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because I'm a solo operation, and I'm I'm fortunate enough to have either industry guests or or content creator guests at various points. But I have people join me to talk about what it is they do, whether it's make games or otherwise. But the Xbox Expansion Pass is a place where uh, people come to hear about Xbox news as it pertains to Xbox. And I often think of Xbox as the beat that I cover yep. for enjoyment. You know, it's what I cover. Meanwhile, I do play my PlayStation five. I do own a switch though. I, I've not been uh, tempted of yet to, to snag it though. Metroid dread starting to get me. I play games anywhere I can, but I yeah. enjoy spot spotlighting and discussing uh, Xbox as the beat I cover. That tends to be how I answer that kind of a question. Yeah, and I think that's fair, right? And th this goes back to, you know, why a lot of these things exist is because I think if you're not, if you're not, you know, religiously zealot-like zealot about your plastic box, um, mm. <laughs> the Xbox platform is one of the most interesting to cover because Microsoft is a trillion-dollar company and for the last... 17 years of the 20 years of Xbox. And hey, it's 20 years old this November. Yeah. The last 17 years, maybe 16 years, Xbox has been a garage band side project that has been allowed to exist within mm -hmm. Microsoft, but it has never received the full support as a core pillar of the business with Office, Azure, Windows. Mm -hmm. That changed. You know, you know that, that changes the whole conversation. And look at the, what they're doing. They're doing things that no other platform does, and that's what makes it interesting to cover because it's not just about the games. It's about mm -hmm. it's about gaming as a as a as a force for good. It's about accessing what you own wherever you are on whatever device you have. I love that about mm -hmm. the platform, and that's why I think myself, the team we've got, are so up for discussing it because it's not just this small segment. It's so broad now. Mm -hmm. And it's such a fun and interesting subject to cover. It's also really interesting watching that narrative change. This is going to be one of the most interesting generations since I've been a gamer um, yeah. to cover because everything is changing. You know, Mark, this isn't a side project anymore. When Trillion Dollar Microsoft want to play ball, we've seen it, $7.5 billion. Yeah, we're, we're mm -hmm. serious this gen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, 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 a, it's one of the best times, I think, to be in the industry. It's so interesting at the moment, and I love it. I think that's partially uh, related to why so many Xbox fans, not necessarily publications, but fans will evangelize Phil Spencer because he kind of ushered in this newer version of Microsoft where you sit sure. next to Satya Nadella and you speak to him about what it is you want to do, what the, what the brand could do, could mean for people. And you know, to your point, it sounds like XEP and Xbox era kind of in the same-ish time frame started truly becoming a thing and covering Xbox because it stopped being about just a small niche garage band approach. Absolutely. And it went beyond the box to the cloud. It went about uh, acquiring studios, developing new types of games, giving games that we thought might've been DOA, like Sea of Thieves, new life and seeing Ugh. Master Chief Collection revitalized. Like seeing those things done, 
I think really helped build legacy. Yeah. And that legacy allowed the fans that were invested smaller in number, of course, than their PlayStation and Nintendo counterparts. They suddenly felt paid attention to and listened to and heard. And then from there, that interesting aspect of the business really started to get uh, more publicized and more publicity and people started spotlighting it more. And I think that's the biggest difference between Microsoft 10 years ago to now is how interesting they are. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of really, I, and we've spoken about them before on, on, on our shows, One of, a couple of the really key points that differentiate Xbox as a brand and, and Microsoft as, and their approach to gaming is their communication with us, the community, the people that play their games, play their products, right? In you look at Phil Spencer, he's out on Twitter, he speaks, he does interviews, he talks, he loves, he is a gamer, he's obsessed with Destiny 2, hey, no one's perfect, but <laughs> these things happen, and then you look at Aaron Greenberg, you look at all of these different people, they're interacting with the community in loads of different ways, and what I love, I think, about the Xbox community is when Microsoft make a mistake, when Microsoft do something wrong, example, the Xbox Live Gold price increase during a pandemic, Mm-hmm. The community doesn't just take their licks and sit there silently grumbling about it. They go, they go crazy. They let Microsoft know. And because Microsoft are out there in that community listening and interacting, they listen. And right. I don't think you see that so much. I think the first time I've seen Sony as an, as an example, and you know, let's not get into platform more and kids, but I, I'm just trying to highlight a difference between approach between the two companies. The first time I've seen Sony react was, was the, was it the pricing debacle with uh, Forza, uh, Forza? Come on, John. Uh, Horizon Forbidden Zero Dawn? Yeah, Forbidden, for, yeah, forbid, Forbidden that West. Horizon in the name gets me every <laughs> One time. Of those, you know what I mean? Is yeah, yeah, it's same here. But that was the first time. Yeah, we made a mistake. Um, and <laughs> we say this is like uh, Nintendo fans are begrudgingly loyal. Mm-hmm. Sony fans are blindly loyal. And Xbox fans are fussy as hell. Um, and I think it's, I think it's just because of that communication difference, you know, like there are these monoliths, but Xbox just uniquely as a brand is really, really back and forth with the community. And I think that that gives them that oomph and makes these kinds of products like XCP, like Xbox era, like Cole and Rand and all these creators feel comfortable to have their say and have a community because there's this back and forth that exists. It's great. I think there's also something to be said for being a market leader versus a chaser and and trying to find your place because Xbox needed that communication to differentiate themselves because at the very beginning of the Xbox One era, (laughs) it was a bad time. (laughs) It was was a bad time. It was dark. There was no communication. The fans felt ignored and the games being produced did not match uh, some of the rhetoric that they had put out there. And so uh, I think the fact that they started off in such a rough place and were forced to make business changes if they wanted to have business success is also what what differentiated them. And I really think Sony, for their own part, uh, and the Sony fan bases, the content creators, that there are some amazing content creators uh, out there for them, as well as any other community, they are now holding, I feel, PlayStation accountable in ways after the horizon bit. And as they should, because Sony will start to feel that in their own wallets. Uh, And... You know, take a look at Jim Ryan's most recent comments about reaching more gamers. They're recognizing there is a market cap on units sold for their consoles and how many units sold can be sold for their games, yeah. uh, which opens the potential for an xCloud, X-Cloud equivalent or, or content production ramp-ups or just finding ways to get the game in more people's hands because when the game's in more people's hands, more money is spent. Yeah. That's something that Microsoft had to learn quickly by being market le- uh, loss. They're in the, the worst position of the three. 
yeah and yeah you're you're absolutely right and um it's nice to see that communication and that that hey wait this isn't okay change Mm -hmm. um you know and i hope that that continues uh my, my my biggest bugbear is that there are too many content creators out there that use console wars to not talk about what they love but talk about what they hate Mm. um yep. and that's 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 you know again another one of our kind of core ethos is we don't talk about what we hate we talk about mm-hmm. what we enjoy and we try and provide that that enthusiasm for you know the platform for games good or bad out into our community and we take it in and you know i, I think that's what's great about it and i, I love the community for that they are great i've met so many amazing interesting people doing this um long may it continue mm-hmm. do you find that when you do offer negative feedback on something that is perhaps Xbox based or uh, maybe it's based on a certain publisher or a specific game that is typically very popular amongst fans, you give it a bad review, bad news reports therein. Do you find that relationships are damaged uh, in those cases and how do you navigate that? Well, do you mean relationships between us and say a publisher or relationships between us and the community or both? <laughs> I, I meant both, but it really I asked the question because so many people will say, Oh, they're gonna. They don't want to give a bad review to, in order to avoid damaging a relationship. In which case, would be wildly uh, it's, un- that's a, inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and no, we we would not. Has if a game sucks, a game sucks. Mm-hmm. And I say that in a very light-hearted way because games tick different boxes for different people, right? So sure. you just have to be as objective as you can when you're looking at what you got. Um, but you know, like uh, I'm a huge Sea of Thieves fan. Huge yeah, all right, sea of Thieves fan, right? It is. It's probably. Uh, and I still say it to this day, it is the best, most unique, most wonderful time I've had with a video game the entire Xbox One gen. Um, I've never had a more laugh-out-loud, brilliant, unique, immersive experience as I had with that game. Um, Or rage quits. Goodness gracious. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not so bad with the rage quits, but the captain of our crew, man, he, he was just like, and he yeah. just, you know, you could hear him flipping the desk and yeah, yeah he'd be dunk offline. Um, but yeah, the highs are so incredibly high with that game and I absolutely love it. And yet, uh, you know, I got to, as the residency of these expert for Xbox era, I did the review for the latest expansion mm-hmm. and I really didn't like it. I gave it a six out of 10 and I explained why. And, you know, if, 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 if you haven't watched the review, you can check it out on xboxera.com. But fundamentally, my issue was that I love Sea of Thieves for everything I just said. All of that crazy sandbox, this happened out of nowhere. What on earth is going on? Somehow we pulled it back. We defeated the crew by the skin of our teeth. We had nothing mm-hmm. left, but we started throwing bad language. And it was all of those kind of moments that made me love the game. And then this expansion came out, but everybody was applauding. I had nothing but technical issues when I played it. Um, chapter two was broken for a very, very long time. Um, it's a game that doesn't respect your time. So to go through all the rigmarole of kicking off that chapter two and getting to the point and going down and then getting stuck and, oh, I've wasted three hours. Ah, oh, it's bedtime. I'll try again tomorrow and so mm-hmm. on and so on. Do that four times. That's going to have a negative experience. But the biggest problem I had with it was that essentially it was huge corridors that were very, very pretty, but it was it was very linear. It was very guided. It was very slow. And unless you've been to Disneyland and been on the ride, FYI, mm-hmm. I haven't. There is zero nostalgia there for me, right? Mm-hmm. So I understand why other outlets and other people played that and it 
ticked every box for them because it was like going back in time and reliving their childhood. And I like Pirates of the Caribbean, but yeah, I found it to just be a lot of set dressing and it had very little of the magic of that sandbox that made Sea of Thieves great. Mm-hmm. So there was no hesitation for me to to speak the truth about that from my perspective. But if you read a review and you get upset, and I, I say you as the royal you, I don't mean you specifically, but if sure. anyone out there reads a review and goes, this really upset me, just always bear in mind, it is that one person's experiences leading him to or her to provide that feedback, right? It does not mean that your experience is wrong if mm-hmm. you think it's a 10 out of 10 or above and beyond. It's everybody's different. You know, you just have to give what you think. So, and I think any publisher that came out and immediately started cutting ties, if you were to give a bad review, mm-hmm. um, is the one that should be considered to be morally reprehensible. And I've never experienced it for the record. Sure. I've never had a publisher when we've given a four or something like that come back to us because as a developer, and a lot of these are more indie games that kind mm-hmm. of trend to that lower scale. And that's just because games are hard to make and yeah. play games cost a lot of money. A lot of those actually say thank you for the feedback. As long as you deliver it, in a, and as long as you're not like horrible about it, mm-hmm. if you're objective and honest, a lot of them are grateful because otherwise, how can they think next time? I need to hear it and need to hear what these people are saying when they say I've had a bad experience and the why. Um, I think they're useful, and I think reviews still have a place because of that. I'm so grateful that you noted that you've not experienced that before. Neither have I, and it's very rare that you ever truly hear from reputable sources that that does happen. And yet so often in social media spaces, particularly for sites or creators or publications that have a brand in their name, you will see people say, oh, they are paid off or, oh, they are trying to, to scale upward or they'll find some, you know, illogical logic to their argument and... Uh, I have not ever experienced that myself either. Yeah. Yeah. And hey, we see it. We see it in forums. We see it in comment sections. You know, like if you give it, if you give an Xbox first party game a good score, we're paid off. If you give it a bad score, you get all the console fanboys of Xbox giving you a hard time for it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel sorry for companies, you know, like Push Square and and anything with a, with a branding that is then associated to be, well, you're definitely just a fanboy site. Mm -hmm. I, I think the way we overcome that, is by building the communities around us. Um, mm-hmm. And eventually over time, people will realize um, through through your actions that, you know, you are doing your best in what is often a difficult, thankless, grindy task um, mm-hmm. that is one usually driven out of pure passion. Uh, certainly in our case, certainly I've imagined in your case, rather than a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's useful to bear in mind. What's the place... Uh, maybe this is bad wording on this. I'm thinking about uh, user bases, fans, or the opposite of fans, the people that are on, on the other side of that, that go about letting their voice be heard by way of review bombs or massive dislikes uh, or things of that nature. Is there a place for that or should be companies be taking a step to curtail that? And, and I ask you that, of course, because Xbox era posts reviews and they're on open critic. Yep, yep, we are um so are we are we talking about you know where you know we see it on steam the the review bombing or, or indeed you know like um as an example last of us 2 comes out is widely praised but then you get you know people of a different political affiliation or right. a different platform affiliation that will review bomb it because they didn't like the way the story went as an example quite seriously um, i was thinking of last of us and then the ghost recon <laughs> frontline trailer those are two oh, examples in yeah. different ways 
Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's a tricky one. You know, like as consumers, uh, everybody has the right to make their voices heard through the methods available to them. Mm. Um, I can speak personally. I have never gone out of my way to purposefully do something like that. I think it's a very weird attitude to have. It's like when you see uh, console warriors appear in YouTube channels and stuff and pay money to be horrible. Yeah. Like, here's, you know, my username is Xbox Sucks xxx here's mm. here's five bucks i want to say something horrible to you like like think about what you're doing there like why are you doing that what does it matter to you um and i think people need to realize that you know necessarily these companies from a very broad perspective don't necessarily care about you the individual mm-hmm. it is all just business um but review bombing and things like that i think I think it's a good thing that companies are trying to take steps, you know, be it via, you can't review bomb this unless you've got a login. If you're a verified user, if you've earned a reputation through good actions on the, on the platform, you know, and honest reviews, word count, all of that sort of things. I think there's steps that people can take. Um, but typically, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's either you ignore it or you find the voices out in the industry, be it other reviewers, other people, friends, that align with how you feel about games you know like mm-hmm. i've got lots of friends that i pay attention to when they you know hey you, have you heard about this you need to play this game it's going to really be in your wheelhouse oh okay you know um and that's often a, a route of discovery for me for things so i i i'm i i wonder how well the industry can manage stuff like this because people will just be people you know human beings are stupid sorry humans um a person can be clever but generally collectively we're pretty dumb <laughs> i use that quote all the time and i always think of men in black uh because they say that exactly a person can be smart but people are dumb stupid yeah. and petrified or something like yeah, that. yeah I'm, I'm picturing tommy lee jones yes uh, chewing his way through that line as we speak well my next question then is is the last one, I suppose, on Xbox era before we transition into uh, the news of the week and discussing uh, a bit about what's going on in the gaming space. Uh, and this question came in from Court Lalonde, who has his own uh, Xbox show called Assemble XP. Uh, mm-hmm. And he asks, what is next for John in the industry? What does he insp- inspire to accomplish? What is next for you? Are you, in- are you content with editor-in-chief? Is there- are there goals <laughs> with uh xbox era i know you alluded to them earlier so perhaps i'm retreading old ground well yeah yeah i mean editor-in-chief you know hey i i co-founded this with with special nick um he had a discord i had an idea we agreed to go ahead and do it um you know it's it's a title uh i i have i guess overall creative responsibility for the direction that xbox zero takes so if people aren't happy with something they can lay it at my doorstep and i'm fine with that and i'm very open to feedback i'm uh, i'm a humble man um i've done a bunch of things in this industry you know like i've i've been very lucky i've got to do launch events for microsoft i did a couple of adverts and that gave me a lot of the initial contacts and inspired me to go and do this sort of thing because i started getting you know, help from it, from inside to, to, you know, learn more about the industry. Um, and, you know, I've done things with Halo that, uh, ignite my love for that franchise. Um, you know, I was, I, I've, I'm a big forge guy. Um, I developed a lot of maps in, in Halo three. I think along with a friend of mine, I was one of the first people in the entire world to have a Halo map in Halo three public matchmaking. I think it was the very first one, which is if you cast your mind back haunted manor, in the infection playlist which was based off it was like a house map but 
Um, I've been in love with that ever since, and I've managed to work with 343 on Halo 5, and I've got a bunch of maps in there. And, you know, I, I feel sorry for them as a team at the moment because they're under so much pressure. And, hey, it's been a roller coaster mm-hmm. hearing about this development and seeing the different things. But I think the, the infinite multiplayer bait, I've proved that there's something special here. So I'm very, very curious to see how December is going to roll. But in terms of what we're going to do as a platform, um, we're going to keep on growing. We're going to keep on focusing on what we think we do well, um, which is producing content that we think stands up there with, you know, from a production and, and general uh, objective coverage point of view with some of the big boys in the industry. Um, but in the very very near term um we've got two really really exciting things that we're bringing to the table um i am extremely hype i have to be very careful i don't say anything i shouldn't um but yeah we'll be making a lot of noise and uh i think xbox fans and the community are going to go absolutely crazy when we show some of this stuff off because we've been working on this for like a year um i've seen it it's going to be cool um and yeah, you know, like we appreciate everybody's support. It's it's weird being this this new kid on the block and trying to fight our way up through all of this. Um, we'll get there um, and we get there with everybody's help. And what I love, and the last note I'll say on this, is the best thing about the Xbox community is all of the different content creators, XEP, Colt, Rand, all of these different people all lift each other up. There's no rivalry. There's no like, I'm not going to get that guy on because he's on an opposite channel that does the same thing I do. It's right. all lifting each other up. And I think that that is incredible. It's one of the best things about this community. And long, long may it continue. I could not agree more. And to your point, I think it's something that Xbox as a brand started figuring out themselves not too long ago. It was very short, short, short time that they've been doing this. But the idea of rising tides left all boats everybody play where you want to play, play what you like. It started with play anywhere with the PC stuff. And you can see the direction that that has gone uh, with Game Pass X Cloud. And now other companies are beginning to bring their stuff to PC. I could not be happier for PC players that haven't played God of War uh, and whatnot. This is, I think, positive trending. And so your words, uh, they weigh heavy in the best ways. And that's exciting to hear because, yeah, as a smaller content creator and a smaller person who covers the stuff, to hear those words is very uplifting. I think it's awesome. It's I I, I love. It's the best thing about the community. There's so many shows I listen to from from arguably really small, just starting out, and I listen to them I'm like, man, the passion and the production value is so here already. These people already get it. You know, I can mm-hmm. see nothing but success. It's a grind, and I feel yeah across the board. Like trying to do it all at once as well is really hard, but. I no doubt so many people are going to see so much success because of that, because of this community. It's great. Fully agree. Fully agree. And that community uh, has been long since growing over 20 years at this point. Uh, And this is where we'll transition to a bit more of the news stuff. There's an Xbox anniversary celebration on November 15th. Mm. There's a lot to celebrate in that, you know? Yeah. uh, Yeah, man. Uh, 20 years. It's a long time. Uh, I was 17. When the original xbox came out and i had it I, I you know i walked into an electronics boutique which doesn't exist anymore i think it became eb games and then it became mm-hmm. something else but there was an xbox demo pod i had my younger brother with me we had an n64 at home and we played halo silent cartographer co-op two pads and we looked at each other and we were like we we're gonna go home and get the and we literally bundled up the xbox came back brought home an, X, uh, an xbox one with uh, xbox one an xbox og Damn damn you, Microsoft naming conventions. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Yeah, we brought home the OG Xbox and and two pads. And man, the rest is history. I have so many fond memories. And I love that they're celebrating that anniversary. It's 20 years. 
what an achievement. What an achievement indeed. And I think back to that because I was 16 and I was not an Xbox guy. I played it a bit when I was in college, when I got to, I guess what, what you would, would call university. Um, and I would play in the dorm rooms and such. And then I ended up selling plasma out of my arm to save up for an Xbox 360 <laughs> so that I could play Gears of War. That is how I got into the, the yeah, world of Xbox. That's a fair moment, right? Gears of War was a platform-defining game. Um, and I think the biggest thing Microsoft has struggled with, certainly through the Xbox One gen, is they didn't have one. You know, if you mm-hmm. think realistically through the gens, you know, Halo on OG, Halo 2 was a moment, a seminal moment for the industry. Gears of War was this big game-changer. What did the Xbox One... You know, you're right. I, I'd argue Sea of Thieves personally, but as would not, I. I mean, they just industry wide agreed. And they, I mean, Sea of Thieves, huge success after year one when they got to that anniversary update, oh, it started kicking in because, and what they did is something that I think a lot of live service models should adopt. Talking to my, my, uh, my very frustrating love of Avengers, I just, I don't know why I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> um, but they should be having four or five teams simultaneously making content so you build a cadence. Absolutely. At, and now Sea of Thieves, what, 25 million players? It's, uh, it, it's, it's a crazy number. Um, yeah. And I, lo- I love that it's seen such success because Rare, Rare were, it's, you, you must have seen the rhetoric online. You know, Rare, mm-hmm. oh, all the good people have left and all of that kind of nonsense. You know, the heyday is long behind them. I love you, Sea of Thieves is probably one of the most best, unique Rare games ever made that fits all of the Rare charm of old. Very um, much. Yeah, I, I'm very curious to see how... Everwild turns out. I, I know it's had some hiccups and some development troubles and some reboots along the way, but I like that this new Microsoft, this, you know, we're going to do things properly this time, giving all of their teams the right amount of time. So this celebration on November 15th, I mean, what do you, what do you think you're going to see? Are you excited? You see, any surprises? You I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. I have heard on good authority authority that we'll likely see some halo infinite campaign which would be I think that's a fair bet appropriate yeah i think that's yeah. a fair bet yeah i um, think it, it, uh, appropriately timed i would argue as well given that we we all thought some months back that we would be seeing halo infinite launch right around here yeah uh, i think yeah. it's appropriate to see that yeah and uh, i know that there are a lot of people myself included that are very keen because i, I think if you talk to any any big Halo fan, they'll say, gameplay-wise, the reveal last year looked great. It was only it was only the presentation that lacked, right? Mm-hmm. It was there was the oh, what's going on here? This all looks a bit flat, all looks a bit ugh. Um, yeah. And hey, you know, looking at the infinite flights that we all got to participate in, I think that's been remedied. You know, it's mm-hmm. not it's not genre-defining best game ever in terms of graphical fidelity, but it's a it's a very pretty Halo game. And how many games at their core are fun, but with a year of polish could go from good to great? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I think, I think that's the biggest difference. But to your question of, of what else we'll see, uh, I, I appreciate that they got out ahead and said they're not announcing new games uh, at this one. I don't think they're going to be doing too much uh, on that front, but they are celebrating legacy which is mm-hmm. cool. I know they've got some Age of Empires stuff at the end of this month. And then they got Forza Horizon 5 launching uh, prior to this celebration. There's stuff coming from Minecraft Dungeons. The surprisingly successful, in my opinion, was the Microsoft Flight Simulator. That game has just so, exploded. So cool. 
It's, yeah, exploded. And that's something I never would have thought would have been as popular as it is. That's got new content coming. Uh, there's a lot to look at and celebrate in the legacy in a way that I'm not sure we had before. So my hope is that what they do with this, they celebrate the fans. They get fans involved uh, in some of the best ways, whether it's recording things or whatnot. But then they also give themselves due credit about their successes because all things considered, They've had a lot of successes in the last four or five years. And in the last 20 years, they've built a catalog that is, I don't think, currently ready to rival PlayStation or Nintendo, but there's a lot to be happy and proud of there. Uh, and yeah. it, there's there's a lot to look forward to as well, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, if, if I was to put my guessing man's hat on, uh, I think we'll see some backwards compatibility announcements. I think we'll see some FPS boost announcements. I think we'll see maybe some sort of documentary or, you know, chit chats with some Xbox folks from the past, you know, mm -hmm. Robbie back, Ed freeze, uh, Seamus Blackley, people like that. Mm -hmm. Jay Allard, maybe even, um, I think that's, that's the kind of thing we might see. Um, and I hope that, you know, Hey, yeah, they called out and said, we're not going to show any or announce any new games, but there's plenty mm -hmm. of announced games that I would love to see another peek behind the curtain be that how's fable coming along you know will we see something from avowed uh you mm -hmm. know there's tons there that they can spend some time doing and i hope they do but we'll see well we had a winter salt winter shoulder write in and ask us about rare and i think we've kind of covered a lot of his question there but i want to see a bit more of everwild i have no idea what that game really is what well, is it you know i think uh i think rare had some troubles figuring out exactly what that game is, as, as I understand it. Um, you know, some of the rumors were that there was sort of God gamey type elements, um, mm -hmm. but I don't know how much of this is true anymore. I understand it's gone through a bit of an internal reboot, so we'll have to wait and see on that front. Mm -hmm. um, but visually, whew, I'm very excited to play that. Um, and, you know, Rare try and do something unique every time, so... Yeah, let's give them the time they need, and, and I hope we get to see something more on that game very, very soon. Agreed, agreed. I also appreciate that Rare has been good about staying focused on certain things like Sea of Thieves, building the cadence there. They allowed Battletoads to be created to mixed reception, but they allowed it, others to focus on that because people were calling for a Battletoads game. I wonder if we don't see more of their properties kind of make their way over time, uh, for sure. Yeah, And, you know, in this, this 20th anniversary celebration event, I hope that it's not an acquisition talk uh, because that seems to be a lot of what people get excited about at the moment. And while I appreciate the value of acquisitions because they are huge in an industry that is consistently working to build catalogs, yeah, uh, I want this to be reflective and allow the looking forward to happen on a different time. Game Awards might be a good time to announce different stuff like that. Yeah, uh, Xbox fans and acquisitions, Microsoft kind of dug their own hole here by they did. saving up big announces for shows. Um, I, I think going forward, unless the stars align, you'll only really see acquisitions announced via blog posts. You know, mm -hmm. you won't see them wait for a show to just drop a, you know, a media post out and let everyone know. Having said that, there was a lot of smoke before E3. Uh, I, I heard some stuff yesterday that uh, surprised me. Um, I won't say it because I don't want to be, I, I have no interest in this insider game. 
Uh, it's not my news. Um, it's exhausting, isn't it? It is. Uh, I'm mad props to the people that, you know, go and do that. And, you know, I, I work with my co-host, Special Nick. He he has lots of people that tell him different stuff. And, you know, it's one of the hooks of our show is our rumor mill. Um, and it's, it's, it's always amusing to me that we report on, you know, we'll talk about rumors because that's what they are. You know, we're allowed to do that as a podcast. It's an entertainment show more mm-hmm. than a you know, a journalistic integrity show. Sure. Um, but we never write, I'll never go away on xboxera.com and write an editorial or write a, a, a news piece, a scoop piece on them because, yeah, I, I can't confirm that. You know, this mm-hmm. is this is rumor. That's the point. And it makes me laugh how many real journalistic integrity sites just take our quotes and make a headline out of it and get some clicks. It can I tell you, up. <laughs> can I tell you, and this is, this absolutely happened. This is true. I have the receipts. Should it ever have to be um, three or four days ago, I confirmed something that I'd long since heard on uh, the Avengers game. We know that she Hulk is coming to the game. I confirmed that based on somebody else's leak, a very high profile journalist from a very high profile profile publication DM'd me and just asked me where I found my stuff. Just, just ask me. And it's like, dude, like that's a strange, strange thing. It's like I, one, I, I'm not, I don't want to be in that game, that chase, that chase that every 15 minutes having a new rumor. Uh, I can't do it. I, we've had Jeff Grubb on the show a couple times. This is not Jeff Grubb, just to be clear um, yeah. who messaged me, but like I've had Jeff on the show a few times. I don't know how they maintain I guess the the impetus to continue providing leaks because it's exhausting and I don't want to be that guy ever. Yeah, like Jeff's great. I mean, we had him on our podcast just a yesterday. week ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah last night, last episode, um, and he was he he's you know Nick and him are very close. It's very sweet. Mm-hmm. I did feel a bit like a third wheel uh, <laughs> yesterday, you know, and I'm the host of that show. But um, Jeff's great. He's got a great work ethic, and you know, he's he he's he gave me a great piece of advice. Is just you know carry on doing what you're doing and you know, help lift each other up and, you know, something that I really took to heart and, you know, he's, he's been great. Um, he's really, really supportive of Xbox here and what we do. And, um, yeah, the, the whole rumor mill thing, it's great from a show perspective, but yeah, uh, I feel for those guys that do, cause people get torn apart when you're wrong. All right. And you gotta yeah. remember, it's just a rumor. Yeah. Like, so Gamers are weird. Gaming Twitter is weird. Like mm-hmm. everyone just needs to chill out. As I always say, it's just video games, man. Like yeah. everyone relax. It's fun. It's meant to be fun. Go play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I think I think November 15th is going to be a really good moment. Um, I don't expect acquisition talk. Um, I think you're absolutely right. It is not the time. It is a reflective time, a look back at the past, uh, a celebration of the journey, uh, and and maybe just a hint of looking towards the future, but not acquisition future agreed agreed and there's a lot of uh i think we'll start kind of closing out uh the show by by noting that game pass and microsoft have worked really hard to have a lot of good news to bring uh most recently surprising me was the the announcement of the grand theft auto trilogy that didn't surprise me but what did was the fact that san andreas is coming to game pass free of charge uh like for something like two days after forza horizon 5 launches on the game pass and those are just that's amazing. Those are two fantastically different games that are wonderful uh, additions to the catalog. And I mean, there's just been something to celebrate for Game Pass members every month. And with Forza and Halo kind of being the first big exclusive games that are going to drive subscriptions to this already very successful service, uh, it, it's cool to see the third party stuff still dropping in there. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, what an end to the year. 
You know, mm-hmm. like I think by the end of this year, the whole rhetoric of Xbox has no games will be well and truly dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a great time with Game Pass. Game Pass is unique in that it gives Microsoft this really two week cadence of here's more stuff for you to go play. You know, here's more bang for your buck. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's old and new. It's it's refreshed titles. It's all sorts of stuff like that. Um, I am really looking forward to Forza. I'm really looking forward to Halo. Um, it's it's just it's a great time to be a gamer, you know. And uh, I, like I said, it's the best generation so far. I think it's the most interesting. It's gonna be a lot of moves, a lot of changes, a lot of growth. Um, and we, as consumers of people that like to play video games, should just sit back and relax and enjoy uh, the smorgasbord of new and exciting experiences that are gonna just land in our laps. It's great. It's a great time to be a gamer. Very, very well said. Um, very well said. I could not agree more with you on that one. Uh, tell me this is our last kind of final closing question here. Uh, what are you looking forward to playing most? And you can say the big pillar stuff that you just named, but are you wrapping up a project uh, that yourself that now you're looking to another game that you're excited to play? Uh, I, I don't get to review as much as I would like um, uh, because I have mm-hmm. to wear lots of different hats. You know, I, I, I edit, I make, create some of the videos i narrate i do a lot of the back-end server stuff um so i think the last game i reviewed personally me was um i want to say 12 minutes i think that's right 12 minutes and i i'm a i'm a dad i've got two kids uh i have a mortgage i have a very pressured full-time job that i you know Mm -hmm. i do all of this in my spare time Mm -hmm. um so normally with games if someone says, Hey, I've got this really cool sci-fi RPG and it's, you know, 50 hours long. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, maybe, but it's, don't pick me to review it. All right. I am not going to make the embargo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, there's other people on the team that can tick that box. So I'll look to play these smaller, more unique experiences. Um, and I've played some fantastic games this year. Death's door, artful escape, um, Genesis noir. Was that this year? I want to say it was, I am very much in this kind of, I like to talk about how games make me feel. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not the reviewer that you can look to for what's the latest technical analysis, how many frames per second does it run? How does it make you feel is my mantra. So uh, in terms of what I'm looking forward to next, I'm looking forward to spending some time in Forza Horizon 5. I'm not a completionist, um, but Halo, man, Halo has and always will be the jam in my jelly roll. Uh, I really adore that series. It's given me so many memories, so many amazing friends that I have now known for 15 plus years, having met them in Halo 2 in real life. We've mm-hmm. had weddings, kids, deaths, divorces, life happen around that friendships that formed in that game. So I have a lot of love for the series. And yeah, just getting my Forge addiction back on next year when that releases and and doing all of those exciting things. That's probably the one I'm really really looking forward to above all else um it's just ah, it's a halo game how often does it happen six years mm-hmm. Got to look forward to that can't can't disagree with that in the slightest man i'm i'm right with you have it i just wrapped up the guardians review which listeners you'll get on the the back half of this nice. uh interview i i've got a little i'm we're, back for blood is an ongoing game that'll be an evergreen title for me and i'm thinking i want to check out the crisis trilogy remastered i've not played any of those uh, since their originals way, way, way back. I think I might just jump into that for a linear shooter to just kind of break up. As, as yeah. I understand it, there's a lot of bang for your buck there. 
you know, I think our reviewer gave it a nine out of ten. Great collection of games, really well remastered with some great upgrades, uh, nice. solid sixty FPS across the board. Nothing, nothing to not enjoy there if you're a big Crisis fan. So yeah, might be worth a look. I think I'm look. I'm going to give it a look because I wrap up coaching, which will free up a bit of my time uh, in two weeks, and then I'll have a little bit of a break before Forza and. Well, now GTA's in there. I've never played San Andreas. Well, I haven't played San Andreas. Too many games. It's too many games. It's too much. It's too much. (laughs) Oh, man. John Clark of Xbox Era, editor-in-chief, gamer extraordinaire, and man with a very complicated uh, gamer tag that I think I can pronounce. Go go for it. Go for it. All right. uh, I'll see. And I'm going to try it on this one. Uh, Sika Mekaniko. So it's, it's not bad. That's probably one of the best first attempts I've ever heard. It's based on a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. Feel free to Google it. It's a really great track. Uh, I say Sicker Mechanico. A lot of people just call me sick. Um, But yeah, in the Red Hot Chili Peppers song, they do indeed pronounce it as Sicker Mechanico. So I I think I'll have to give you a a star, gold star for that one. You know, whatever you fancy. Because I think that was a pretty solid attempt. We'll take it. I'll take it. I will take it there, my friend. Would you please be so kind as to plug... Any and everywhere uh, that you you have your content is available, where fans and listeners should go to find more Xbox era content, anything that you'd like to plug, please do so. I will happily do so, uh, but I will start my plug by saying what an absolute pleasure it's been on to, to be on uh, XEP today. I uh, really you. appreciate the invite. It's very nice not to have to host anything or press any buttons. So I hope technically it's all gone well because you can't blame me this time uh, if anything's broken. But uh, in terms of plugs... Um, I have to give a massive shout out to the team at Xbox Era. So they all know who they are. They're all incredible, incredible people. Um, they're all working really hard to deliver the, the best content we can for, for the Xbox community at large. If you want to, you know, dip your toes into that community, you can head to xboxera.com. Um, we've got all the links to all of our content there. You can find us on YouTube forward slash C forward slash Xbox Era, Twitch, the Xbox Era. We're on Instagram. We're, we're even on TikTok. I don't think we do much there, but we're everywhere. So, you know, feel free to come hang out. Um, and indeed, you can find me personally on Twitter at underscore Sikamechanico underscore. Good luck spelling that one. And thanks for having me on. Hi, this is Jeremy Gritton, art director and story lead for Ori and the Will of the Wisps. And you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. <laughs> Alrighty, guys, let's get to it. My review of Guardians of the Galaxy, code, of course, provided by Eidos Montreal. Guys, I've been sitting on this game for about a week and a half at this point. I've wrapped up the campaign. I started briefly New Game Plus, and I have a lot to say about it. Of course, there was a lot of trepidation about Guardians of the Galaxy in the wake of Marvel's Avengers uh, for a lot of different reasons, reasons. And I'm happy to say that this game solves a lot of the problems that were created by Marvel's Avengers, but it creates quite a few of its own in just what it tries to do. And what it tries to do is be a third-person action game that has a lot of narrative in it, and you are playing solely as one character, and that is Star-Lord. You interact with and work with your fellow Guardians of the Galaxy on a number of different levels with lots of different dialogue choices and gameplay options, but you are always in control of Star-Lord. So you're never actually going to be Drax the Destroyer, Rocket the Raccoon, Groot, Gamora, etc. 
So you're always taking place, uh, or you're rather, you're always controlling Star-Lord, and you do so in a number of different environments across 16 chapters. This story took me about 20 or so hours to complete, and that mileage is going to vary on just how much you take your time to explore and upgrade your characters. As you explore, you can find different resources that can augment Quill's guns, uh, which are these quad blasters. They feel very weak, I might add. It feels very soft and limp for the beginning of the game and it's really frustrating actually to have what is supposed to be this this incredible weapon in your hands and it just really falls flat but in doing that the game is encouraging you to make use of your fellow guardians now you do that of course by holding the left bumper right bumper uh, and calling on different abilities for either star lord himself or the different guardians that you can can control remotely in doing that, they have only a certain number of moves available to them until you level them up. And you can do that by gaining experience, which means more combat and solving different types of puzzles throughout the game. There's a lot of optional exploration that can take place. And the more that you explore, the faster you'll get to upgrade Quill's weapons, his boots, uh, his armor, shields, the kind of standard things that you would ex expect uh, in, in an affair like this, a third person action game like this. Um, I, I mentioned that it creates quite a few problems, and I stand by that for sure. It takes a long time to get the, to, the, to the best parts of the combat in the game. The majority of the first half of this game is dialogue-based. You'll have a few combat sequences here and there, but there is a lot of talking and attention to world building. The narrative is the primary focus of this game, or at least it feels like it is. The combat's great in the second half of the game as you've unlocked way more abilities and different uh, types of augmented attacks for each of your different characters but they take a long time to get to. You will spend a great deal of time going through Star-Lord's childhood, talking through different scenarios, trying to solve things with different dialogue trees that can uh, turn about. It feels in some ways like a Telltale game with just how much dialogue is available to you. Uh, the Guardians will go through their own level of strife and frustration in between them. You start off, you know, 10 or 10 plus years after a galactic war. You guys are already a team and established. And you'll go through something that really strikes a rift into the team, particularly between Star-Lord and Rocket. From there, you as Star-Lord are going to have to go through a number of different dialogue and gameplay options to try and bring the team back together. You always have the Guardians available to you in your combat scenarios. You're never just as Star-Lord, at least for one very small section you might be. But you, you have the team with you, but it's the narrative that's bringing them together. To speak on that narrative, Eidos Montreal spent a lot of time building this world to be the guardians of their Guardians of the Galaxy game, not the guardians of the MCU, not the guardians of the comics. This is Eidos Montreal's baby, and it's wholly unique, though it does draw inspirations from their comic and film counterparts. I was rather impressed at just how effective they were at separating me from you know, the, the, what we would see in the MCU or what little of the Guardians comics I have uh, experienced. I am not a big Guardians of the Galaxy fan in terms of the comic characters or even the movie characters. I appreciate their value. I know they have a strong fandom, but they were never my favorite characters. I was always more of an Avengers person. However, Nidus Montreal does a good job at creating a narrative that is interesting to say the least. I did get bored at just how much talking there was. I was ready 
quite often for more combat, and it was consistently interrupted by various moments of storytelling. That might be music to some of your ears, because we've been asking for, throughout the gaming industry, more single-player, third-person, narrative-based games, particularly in the Xbox community, I would note. That said, it was still too much for me, and the writing dragged on in cuts with cutscenes that ne- I felt were near Kojima in levels of, of length and even cringe in some cases because there's a lot of crude humor that takes place, and I found a lot of it funny at various points, but you hear the word flark a lot, and I mean a whole lot, guys. So just how much you enjoy it will will determine or will be determined likely by your connection with these characters because contrasting these very crude and silly humorous moments. And there are a lot of them and it's funny. They are a good time, but contrasting them are these uh, heartfelt warm moments where you are experiencing Quill's childhood, where you're going through his childhood room and seeing all the, the various pop culture references and Easter eggs strewn throughout for goodness sakes, you meet his mom in her mom jeans and mom outfit and her hair of the 80s. And it's it's really endearing, but it was a bit slow paced for me for just how much of it there was. I will note also the, stu- the story is absolutely ludicrous and needlessly complex. I wrote this in my written review as well. There is a space church leader who is storing faith energy, which somehow gets corporeal form, and then he's storing it into batteries, and at the same time, he's imbuing it into a child who has story significance that I won't reference uh, for fear of spoilers. Uh, there's also an infinity stone because there had to be an infinity infinity stone and honest to goodness it's whatever these guardians they specialize in the absurd the story is absurd and do you really care it's a comic book story i had a good old time with it there are some fun cameos that take place throughout the guardians universe nothing so heavy as like an x-man or an avenger or anything like that you do get a couple kind of easter egg allusions to some of the more well-known marvel characters but in large part this is a guardian story and there's a lot of guardians easter eggs throughout this thing and that's really cool that's really fun because as you explore the world it benefits you by way of easter eggs and the ability to upgrade your characters uh 16 chapters and 20 ish hours of the game is kind of the amount that i took took solace in that's how much i i played of the game um i really enjoyed the combat that has to be noted upgrading my guardians to do these really cool events where i would use Groot to use his roots to lock down different types of enemies and then have rocket throw an aoe bomb meanwhile gamora rushes through with her sword and slices and dices people the whole while as quill i'm strafing and firing different weapons with an active reload mechanic that have different abilities like electricity ice fire kind of your standard elemental type weapons that was a blast i really enjoyed that stuff it was just too few and far in between in the latter half of the game though when you're more leveled up you don't feel like you're shooting a nerf gun that combat is awesome. I have an absolute blast with that. You also get some really, really dope unlockable outfits that I just absolutely loved. There is one set that is black and red and fiery, and I just, I just dig it. It was, it was well worth it uh, to, to explore and kind of find those costumes because that was dope. Uh, let's see. There were some really cool space space combat uh, missions where you were flying kind of like you were star, in Star Fox or in Rogue Squadron. You're piloting the Milano. You're dogfighting. They were too few and far in between. Not enough levels like that. Um, if it's not obvious, the talking was too much for me, but I love the space combat. I would have loved to see more space combat uh, in this game. That was an absolute blast. And I'd be remiss if I did not mention just how good the soundtrack is. They've got like 30 plus 1980s rock hits, which are dope. 
And then they have this fictional band that is frontmaned by uh, the senior audio director at Eidos Montreal. They created this their own band called Starlord, which is where Quill gets his name. And this dude does the vocals on it. And honestly, this thing slaps. That's a Joseph Moran word for you. It is really good. I had a I, I was just impressed by the quality of the uh, sound design and of the music throughout this game. And visually, it looked pretty good. They were honestly pretty darn good. I was impressed and I was pleased uh, with the sound design and, and the voice acting and the visuals. The visuals were dope. There was a little bit of flickering that I got that I'm told would be eliminated in a day one patch. Of course, that hadn't come out when I was reviewing the game. But the, the characters are their own design. They're not MCU. The lighting looks really, really great. The environments are really cool. Enemy design kind of fell a little flat for me in a couple places. I won't spoil some of the cooler ones, but some of them really were the jelly weird globule things that you saw in the, the early demos that might have raised eyebrows, but they were more fun to fight than you would think. Uh, and it, it wasn't nearly as, I guess you would say, tepid and boring as it could have otherwise been. So I, I left pleased about that one. The game, I look back on it fondly, right? It's not going to reach the highs of Insomniac Spider-Man or the lows of Crystal Dynamics Avengers, fan though of it though I may be. Uh, this is kind of its own beast, its own frustration point. Over on Season Gaming, I gave the game a 7, uh, and I stand by that. It's good, not great, and it's got some really cool moments for Marvel fans. It's got some really amazing moments if you're a Guardians fan. But if it's a third-person action game you're wanting, this will suffice. It won't blow your socks off. It's not the best uh, in, in the genre, but I did have a good old time with it. It's just not going to reach Arkham or Insomniac Spider-Man levels. But it really does a good job of being its own thing, its own game. I am glad this game exists. They have a really cool sequence in there that opens the door to a lot of sequel possibility. And I can leave it... Uh, at that and you should know that if you if you play through you'll have a good old time i don't feel compelled at all to go through with new game plus i feel like this is a one and done for me and so if you're trepidatious or nervous about any of this stuff wait for a sale it's going to be well worth the price coming in at anywhere anywhere below 50 bucks and even at the the standard now 60 70 bucks it's worth your price if you're a, a superhero or marvel fan uh, you get it on sale you'll be that much more pleased with your investment that's going to be it for me, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of XEP. Please, of course, subscribe over on YouTube, follow it on any of your podcast services. And if you really would, take the time to rate it on iTunes. That stuff matters so much. I know it seems silly, but those are so appreciated. You can find me at Ghost on Twitter. That's it for me. Take care, everybody.